starting in verse 10, message entitled, Snatched from the Fire. Everybody say, Snatched from the Fire. Revelation 20, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which are in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And read this, if you have the New International, pardon me, if you have the, the King James Version, actually, whatever version you have, read this last verse, okay? And whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Father, thank you for today, a moment that we have before your throne. Thank you for the worship that, that we've participated in. And Lord, I'm mindful that we don't just need another lecture today. We need to hear from heaven. Give us all ears to hear and a heart to respond. What you would be saying to us through your word that will remain forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain forever. Is not your word like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces? Is not your word like fire that burns up everything in its path? Your word, a lamp unto a feet and a light upon our path. Speak to us. Right now we pray. And if you have the freedom to pray in the spirit, just pray right now. We thank you and we praise you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. What would you do if you woke up one morning and you looked outside of your house and you saw that your neighbor's home was engulfed in flames? What would be your immediate response? I think your immediate response would probably all have the same one. Quick, 911, call the fire department, right? fire across the street. But let's take it a step further. You've known these neighbors for years. You see their house on fire. You'd call 911, and then what would you do? I know what I would do. I would run across the street. I'd get a fire hose, whatever. I'd make sure nobody was inside the house. Some of you have experienced fires. Trent Namey experienced two house fires. It will never happen again. What motivates us as Christians, as believers, to reach out to others? What motivates you to reach out to people? Let's look at the text. Here, Revelation chapter 20, verse 10 through 15. You know, why, what motivates us? Why would we have, even make the effort of having day and night, night and, night and day prayer? Why would we do our outreaches? Why, why, why would we share our faith with people? Why would we do any of those things? 
See, I think we might all come up with the same answer, but maybe not. And the truth is that some of us don't realize that your neighbor's house is on fire. Don't realize maybe that the valley is on fire. And God has given us a mighty hose to put it out. I want to talk to you about being snatched from the fire. The Apostle John here looking at the text gives a revelation. It's a, it's a panoramic revelation of what will happen in the future. And he begins to talk about things that will take place. The coming of the Lord and the millennial reign. And we read here this text. and He, he declares by revelation that justice will be done. How many of you are thankful for that? Have you ever been treated unjustly? Ever been to a court case where you lost but you were innocent? You ever been through anything like that? The good news is it will all be fixed in the end. He's the great judge. Justice will come in the end. It will be served. So if you've been wrong, it will be corrected. <laughs> and if you got away with it, you're busted. There will be, no, be no manipulating at the white throne of judgment. In that moment, we see this very exciting thing that will happen. Evil will be dealt with. Satan is thrown into the lake of fire. Already the Antichrist, it says in the text, and the false prophet are thrown into the fire. You say, Pastor, I don't know anything of what you're talking about. Well, in the days that are ahead, I'm, I am, because of some encounters and experiences I had on my trip, I'm going to teach out of the book of Revelation. I have sort of avoided it. Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. Well, we're going to teach it to you. And, and some say, well, it's just pan. We just, it's all pan. It's all going to pan out. No, we really need to know what we believe. Evil's dealt with here. But the thing that stirs all of us or shocks us as believers now, it, it says all mankind will be judged. See, some people have the mistaken idea that just because, and I don't want to say just to minimize it, but let me say it this way. Because you've received Jesus, it's all good. Oh, it's all good. That's wonderful. But you will stand before the great white throne of judgment and give account for all your deeds. Woo! It won't be a judgment unto, unto hell, but you'll suffer loss. And I don't know what that is to go to heaven and suffer loss, but we're going to look at that in other messages. All mankind will be judged. And why would, why would God go through all the trouble of judging us? You ever, you ever wonder about that? What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that God will not be mocked. Look at the next point in your notes. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that he will reap. He, he will not be mocked. He said, well, I've been doing whatever I want to for years. For years I've been doing whatever I want to, Pastor. Ain't nothing wrong happened to me. Well, it ain't over yet. And don't take his kindness for weakness. He's not weak. He's slow to wrath. Why? So that you'd repent. That's why. All right? So that you'd turn and begin to live for him. So God will not be mocked. And No, in that day, no one will be able to say that God is not just. He is just. Scripture says that righteousness and truth are the foundations of His throne. And all of a sudden we see this graphic picture, this, these books that are opened. And one book in particular, the book of life, is opened. Everybody say the book of life. If your name is in it, then you don't go to the lake of fire. If your name is not in the book of life, you do go to the lake of fire. 
I could just feel it right now. Is this going to be one of those hellfire messages? Absolutely, yes. I don't always preach them. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not into, you know, we get enough beatings from the enemy. I try to encourage you, and you'll be encouraged by the end. But you need to understand very clearly, you don't have a revelation of hell, then you don't have a revelation of what real salvation is. There is, there is a place called hell. There is. You say, why do you say that? Because Jesus said it. Because Jesus said it. These two stark realities. The lake of fire. The lake of fire where there's continual torment. Might seem radical to suggest that, but that's what Scripture says. And let, let me say this. We are not like dogs. You see, my husband's like a dog. No, Keep praying. We're not like dogs. We're not like anything in all of creation. We think in terms of right and wrong. Why do you think in terms of right and wrong? Why do you think in terms of justice? There's a book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. It's one of the most powerful books in critical thinking that, that, that has been written. I suggest you read it. I have a hard time reading. I have to read each page like twice. What is he saying? You need to learn to think critically. So, so ask yourself this question. Why is it that you think in terms of justice? Why is it that, that, we, have a, that we have courts? Judges. Oh, it's an imperfect system, I know. But why is it that we think in terms of justice, right and wrong? Why is it that this morning, some of you are like in the mirror? crazy. As I get older, i got to shave my ears. I don't know about you guys. I looked the other day, it was like these corn stalks just coming out, man. I think, Jesus, help me. Why is it that we would, why is it that we look, I, mean, I looked in the mirror and I thought, should I wear a tie today? And I put the tie on and I checked it out and I thought, ah, I don't feel like wearing a tie. And, but maybe I'll wear a tie. So I asked my wife, honey, should I wear a tie or no tie? She goes, no tie. Alright, pull the tie, lose the tie. Why, why is it that we would even ask a question like that? Because we think in terms of beauty. We think in terms of what is, what is, what is beautiful. We think in terms of a beautiful sunset. We think in terms of right and wrong. Why? Because you and I are made in the image of God. And there is not one other thing that's made in the image of God but human beings. We're made in the image of God. Say it. Say, I am made in the image. We're made in the image of God. We think in terms of justice. And to break God's law is to bring death. And that's why the lake of fire is called the second death. The wages of sin, Paul said in Romans, the wages of sin is? The wages of sin is death. Oh, it'll have pleasure for a season, but at the end, you'll get your payment, which ultimately is death. Jesus talked about hell. And I'm going to put some scriptures up on the screen. You all ready for me? All right. Matthew 5:22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be, danger, will be in danger of the fire of hell. This is Jesus. You don't like it? You'll have to talk to him about it. See, what it's saying is if you say, you fool... You're slandering somebody's moral reputation and they've done nothing wrong, then you endanger yourself. 
Maybe some of you need to repent right now. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. Whoa! It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole of your body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Look, he's saying, look, it better for, it'd be better for you to go, go through life maimed than end up in hell. He's not saying maim yourself if your right hand offends you. Come on. Come on, otherwise we'd, we'd be like the hallelujah, hallelujah, right? We'd all have eye patches and stuff. We'd walk around blind, no hands. I'm just praising God. Now, that, that's not what it's saying. What it's saying is it would be better for you to be maimed and go through life than to end up in that place called hell. That's what Jesus is saying. It would be better than that. It doesn't say cut your hand off. He's just saying it would be better to be maimed than experience eternal torment. He goes on to say in Matthew ten twenty eight, Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. The biggest problem in the church, I will tell you, one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ, Western body of Christ. They don't have this problem in China. They don't have this problem in places where they're persecuted. But we have a big epidemic in the body of Christ. It's called the lack of the fear of God. A lack of the fear of God. Don't be afraid of the devil. You have authority over him. Come on, some of you ought to just give him a fat lip, black eye, and a bloody nose in Jesus' name. Take authority. If you don't understand that you have authority over the enemy, I think you need to take your Bible, get underneath your bed, hide there, read the thing until you're convinced that you do have authority, and then come out. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Matthew 23, 15 and 33. These are the words of Jesus. Did we skip one? We did. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 8 through 9. Again, it's if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It would be better for you to be maimed than go to hell. These are the words of Jesus. Matthew 23, 15. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you've succeeded, you make him twice as much the child of hell as you are. Whoa, that's some good preaching right there. You think I preach hard. Twice the son of hell, it says, I think, in the King James. I like that version. How many of you like to be a son of hell? Just raise your hand. No, nobody. He, there is a place called hell. Luke sixteen twenty three. I, I, I want to say that Matthew 23 reminds me of, of teachers and preachers today. I will tell you the message I'm preaching right now is not popular. You might not be getting warm fuzzies right now. You might be saying, you know, I just wish I never went to that church. I, th- I thought it was going to be great, but I hate this hellfire stuff. Listen, if you don't have a revelation of hell, then you will not have a real true understanding of what your salvation is all about. And I don't preach on hell every week. Maybe every other week. No, I'm kidding. I don't preach on hell. We usually preach on destiny and purpose and intimacy with God and prayer. And, and, and we try to preach the entire counsel of the Word of God. That's why we'll be getting to the book of Revelation at different times. But you need to hear a message that there is a place called hell. And if your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life according to, according to Revelation 20, that is the place where you was never intended for you to go, but that is where you will go because God is just. He must deal with your sins. He must deal with mine. And He did. He did deal with it on the cross. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise 
Luke 16:23 in Hades, where there is torment. This is a story about Lazarus and Abraham. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. as this rich guy, Abraham, and Lazarus was this poor dude. So he called, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony and fire. This is, is a, a parable from Jesus. Say, so why do you believe in hell? Because Jesus did. Hell and torment. Matthew 13. Don't worry, we're going to get to the good stuff here in a little. Hold on. Everybody say, hold on. Matthew 13, 41 to 42. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. And they'll be thrown into a blazing furnace, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. John 15, 6. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Hell, again, was never intended for you. But if you align yourself with the purposes of evil and you do not obey God and you don't repent and live for Him, then that is the place you will spend eternity. It is not intended for you. You must choose. You, there's, there, you can't just get grandfathered in because your mom or dad lived for God. All right, praise the Lord. Look at the person on your right and your left. Just slap them five. Say, this is great. I'm getting encouraged this morning. Go ahead. Go ahead. Slap them five. All right, praise God. Let's talk about the word of life, the, word of the, the, the book of life. Let's talk about the book of life now. Now, the book of life is a theme that runs throughout Scripture. You good? You all good? I don't want to shake off the conviction too much. The book of life is a theme that runs throughout the Scriptures. Exodus 32. Verse 32, but now please forgive their sin. This is Moses. As he's come down from, from the mountain with the Ten Commandments and they're frolicking, they, they came out of Egypt. Moses is up there for 40 days. Aaron, their, their leader, they get all the gold together and they melt it down and they make this bull. A bull deed is really a picture of of what was worshipped in Egypt. And they come out of Egypt to have this worship service, which if you study it, it says they were going to have a, a worship time unto the Lord, which is Adonai. Why? The, the, the tetragrammatron, pardon me. It, it's, it, it can be mistaken for nothing else. They're going to have this worship time unto God. It, it doesn't, it's not small God. It is God Almighty is what it means in the text there in Exodus. So they have this worship time unto the Lord, but they're worshiping this calf. You see, if you, if you don't really seek God out and know the God of Scripture, you'll worship what you think is God. One preacher said it this way. They came out of Egypt, and they made this bull because they had a lot of bull in them still. All right. All right, you get that maybe on the way home. And, and Moses says, now, Lord, forgive their sin. But if not, blot me out of the book you have written. How's that for Pastor Moses? Man, that's some serious commitment. I love you guys, but not that much. <laughs> you know, oh, forgive their sin or blot my name out. No way, you're choosing. I'm going in, man. I don't know what you all doing. You know, I mean, that's pretty amazing. 
oh, 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 you're holy. You'd have your name blot out. That's because you don't have a revelation of hell. We're trying to give that to you. Okay, look at Psalm 69. Psalm 69, verse 28. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. Philippians 4, 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the book of Philippi, that have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. The book of life is written and mentioned in the book of Revelation, as we read, but in other places also, Revelation 3, 5. And one who is victorious will, like them, will be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of... but will acknowledge their name before my Father and His angels. Revelation... 13, 8, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Revelation 17, 8, the beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. Revelation twenty-one twenty-seven. Nothing pure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only, talking of heaven, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life oh I'm going to get myself in trouble but I like that I've always been that way so oh shakalamahaya help me God all right I want to tell you that I would like to say this. Israel's going to be saved, but not because they're Israel. Israel will be saved because the Jews, anybody. Is anybody in here? Raise your hand. I'm going to tell you how you get saved. There's only one covenant. The way you get saved is by receiving Jesus, by receiving Messiah. And as I, I, I just I, I get this thing burning in me, I, I just can't help myself. I'm away from my notes. What will happen in the end will be what is called a one-world religion, and it'll gather, and its center will be basically a Babel, right there, and right, right, right there. This is all prophetic. You say, how could that happen? In the same way that Israel was made a nation in one day. Bam. Same way. Same thing. And this one world religion will come together. And I want to say, to unite as one faith to stand for Israel and not give them the Messiah is antichrist in nature. And I will not do it. You say, well, there's got to be world peace. We've got to just accept each other. That whole thing of tolerance. I, look, I, I might lose half my church by saying what I'm saying, but I've got to stand before God. I will be judged for what I teach you. That whole thing of just accepting people and being tolerant. Can I tell you something? We need to love people, but there's deception. And there, it, it really is, according to Scripture, I believe it. There is one way, one truth, one life. Not many ways. Not many. 
There's only one way to the Father, and it's through the Son. This is what the Bible that you're holding in your hand teaches. It's not popular. To unite as a people from multi-faiths to back Israel and not give them the Messiah is a ploy and a play from the enemy. I'm telling you. That's what I believe. If you don't believe that, I respect that. But you'll stand before God. We'll all stand. If I'm wrong, then I'm, then I'm mistaken. But I see in the end a one-world religion beginning to be set up. And when things are united for something that's good, but does not acknowledge the finished work of the cross, very dangerous. And that is why I made some of the decisions that I made in the past couple of weeks. And I'll leave it at that. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the the one who was slain before the beginnings of the foundations of the earth. And sir, ma'am, brother and sister, you cannot make it into this place called heaven if your name's not written in the book of life. He said, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. Don't feel uncomfortable. Change. Repent. Give your life to the Lord. Now here's what terrifies me in addition to that. Let me finish the thought. There'll be a one-world religion that unites right there. And then ten kings will rise that are actually worshipers of the Antichrist, come against the one-world religion. They will destroy it. It's called Harlot Babylon. That's the one-world religion. They will destroy the Harlot Babylon. And then that will then turn the entire earth to worship the Antichrist. And it's all over after that. All right. Or actually, it's the beginning. All right, awesome. I'm glad you guys are good. You getting the warm fuzzies today? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Antichrist. Ah! <laughs> Gotta live for God. Come on, somebody say, I'm gonna live for God. You live for God. All right. Well, hallelujah. Should we slap each other five again? Turn to the person on your right and your left. Just give them five. Come on. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. All right, now here's the thing. All right, Pastor, I got it. Name written in the last book of life. I'm on in. I want in. Good. Well, here's the thing. Your name can be blotted out. Hold the phone, Batman. My name can what? Your name can be blotted out of the book. Removed is what's that talking about. Oh, some people think that just because you came and gave your heart to Jesus, it's all good and you can live there any way that you want to. News flash. You gave your heart to Jesus. You cannot live any way that you want to, according to Romans. Actually, you've been purchased for the price. Your life is no longer your own. And it's a joy to live for God. It's not a burden. Hard is the way of the transgressor. Being a believer living for God is not hard. This is awesome. Authority, power, joy, intimacy with the one who made you. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, don't worship the beast. All right. Look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. Isn't it funny that you can hear a message from hell and the preacher's smiling? Isn't that something? Why are you smiling? I ain't going. I'm not going, man. I'm going to to heaven. Ah! All right, Hebrews 3. Watch this. See to it, brothers, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart and turn away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if, indeed, we hold to our original confession firmly to the end. Salvation is a relationship with Christ. It is not something that you just do 
And then it's done and you can check your list and it's all good. I'm going to heaven because I received Jesus. No, it's an ongoing relationship with Him. Hebrews 6, 4. Oh, you won't be able to handle that. We'll go to the next one. Okay, all right. Hebrews 6, 4. It's impossible for those who once have been enlightened, that means like saved, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted of the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. Their loss, to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again, subjecting Him to public disgrace. Whoa. Now some would say, well, if they fell away, maybe they were never saved. Well, maybe they weren't. But obviously it includes those who were. Okay, praise the Lord. Hebrews 10, verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Oh, ouch. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire. That will consume the enemies of God. I like that part. I'm going to read that again. Raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. You've got to live for God. Ongoing. Said, Pastor, nobody ever told me my name could be blotted out. Well, they did now. Now you're responsible. I thought I could just do whatever I wanted to. Call myself a Christian. Wrong. It's not a social club. This is not a social club, although there's a social aspect to it. We build relationships, koinonia, fellowship, yes. And when somebody gets wounded or goes through hard times, Liz, my heart breaks for you in the losing of your brother. We weep with those who weep. We mourn with those who mourn, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. This is a family. This is not just a social thing. It's an ark. An ark was made by, by Noah, by the word of the Lord. They didn't even know what a boat was. They never even had rain. He made an ark. We're like an ark. House of refuge. This is not just a social club. There is a great white throne of judgment. And there's a lake of fire. Colossians 1 and 22. But now he is reconciled to you, Christ, by his physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. I tell you, you can preach a series on that right now. How are you holy? By His death on a cross. For what purpose? To present you holy in His sight. That you would live and have life abundant. Your sin's been dealt with if you've received Jesus. Without blemish. Free from accusation. If. There's that if again. If you continue in your faith. Let's read that again. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith established firm and do not move from the hope that's held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Second Peter 3, verse 17. Therefore, my dear friends, since you have, since you have been... Forewarned, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forevermore. You say, Pastor, I believe in eternal security. Listen, you've got to continue in your faith. You can't just punch your card and say, well, now my name's in the book and I'm just going to do whatever I want. That's not salvation, people. 
You've got to continue. Well, then it's works. No, it isn't. No, it's not works. You'll say, okay, so there I am, Pastor. Which is the sin that caused me to go to hell and have my name blotted out? There I am. I'm riding my bike. And I see a pretty girl. And I lust after her. And you wipe out. You lust after somebody. Is that the sin that caused you to go to hell? I would say no. I don't think it's black and white like that. I think it's a gradual turning. I think it would be a gradual turning of your heart. Now, maybe some of you have never backslidden. I have. I have. And it was a little bit of compromise, little bit of compromise, little bit of compromise. And before I know it, my little compromises were bigger. And the bigger ones got bigger. And before you know it, I wasn't going to church. Before you know it, I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't praying. I was hanging out with people, the wrong people. I started cursing. I started going back to the very same thing. And I wound up seven times worse than I was before I ever received Jesus. You say, were you saved before that? I believe I was. I wrote poems and I would weep in God's presence. I witnessed like crazy, led people to Christ. I fell from that place. You say, then I can fall? Your heart can be turned. You've got to continue in the faith. Yes, there's a, there's a lying devil out there. You say, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm basically talking, you know, let me boil it very simply for those of you that take notes and really want to study this. The viewpoint is that which is of Calvinism and Arminianism. All right, Calvinists basically, Calvinists teach that you can't ever lose your salvation. Armenian is, is, is sort of more what, I, what I'm teaching you. So I don't agree with that. That's okay. We can still have fellowship together, but you should know what you believe, not because some dude told you. Hello? You should know what you believe, not because I'm just telling you. I mean, I'm bringing the honest truth before you. I've got a fear of God. I, you know, praise the Lord. Lord, I, I hope I got it right. For real. But don't just swallow, swallow the, drink the Kool-Aid. Hello? Hello? I was in a Kool-Aid church, I think, recently. Not long ago. What do you mean? Just because you get taught something or you're, you know, I, God bless your mother, may she rest in peace. But if she taught you that tongues are not of God, how many of you know it would be pretty hard for you to come against the theology of your mother? Even though she might not have had a revelation about that. Are you talking about my mama? I'm not. <laughs> kind of. You know, I mean, the point is, if you're believing something that you just received because it's tradition, or you just received it because your mama or your dad had taught you, or your pastor when you were in preschool, or, or the flannel graph when you were in children's church, you ought to get your own Bible out, be a Berean, and understand and know, what is yet ahead for us? What, why do you believe what you believe? Don't just be a lax, slack, apathetic Christian who just hears everything and goes, Oh, praise the Lord! Okay. God's speaking to us. God is speaking to us. First, we need to understand why Jesus came. Understand why Jesus came. The reason that Jesus came is so that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. The reason that Jesus came is so that the chosen people, Israel, would be saved. So the Gentiles would come to him. So that he wanted a family. John 3.16 For God so loved the world Hear this a little differently Though it might be very common to many of you For God so loved the world That whosoever believed in Him would not perish Would not what? Perish But have eternal life 
He came to give His life. To die as a ransom for many. He came to die on a cross and rise again from the grave in fulfillment of over 300 scriptures so that you and I could have our sins forgiven. That the lake of fire would not be the final resting place for us, but we would live in the earth walking in power and authority to the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and King and in the end make it to heaven and even rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. This is the Scripture. This is why Jesus came to save us. From what? From eternal damnation. From hell. Let's be certain that our, our name's written in the book of life and that it stays written. I will tell you that one of the most difficult things for me as a pastor, the most difficult thing, the heartbreaking thing for me as a pastor is to see hundreds. And over the course of my time in ministry, I've not been a pastor of a very large church, just small and medium-sized ones, really, which is fine. Thank you, Jesus. But to see hundreds and even thousands of people come to an altar, receive Christ, and go and do whatever they want to and fall away from Him and never live for Him. There's people on bar stools this morning people with pounding headaches bowing down to the porcelain God today who were in a church who prayed and received Christ. It grieves me and it breaks my heart to see people wander from the truth. I've watched the enemy in, in, in recent days move and pick people off that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have imagined it ever so strong in God appearing to have it together. I'm going to tell you the enemy's the enemy's bad. He's bad. Devil bad. Everybody say devil bad. God good. God everybody say God good. God good. Devil bad. It's one of the greatest revelations I know. You got to be certain that your name is in that book and it stays there. Have you given your heart to Christ? No, have you really given your heart to Christ? Do you feel like getting up and leaving right now is probably a thing, what I, what I would call conviction? If you feel like throwing something at me, that would be because you're angry about being busted with your sin. I'm going to tell you something. I, I am not, I am not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not here to tickle your ears, man. We're, we are here to build a, an army for the Lord and to see God raise people up and launch them into the deep to bring forth the greatest harvest that is yet to come. Alaska has a destiny. I'm going to do my part. Are you? Are you going to do your part? Are you going to live for God? Are you going to go all the way with Him? We have a responsibility to tell others about the saving grace of Christ. We talked about that burning house at the beginning of the service. People that don't know Jesus are headed to a devil's hell, and it's not for them. Now, if you've never shared your faith, I charge you, in the name of Jesus, get sharing. You say, well, I don't know how. Do whatever you can. I told you some of my early witnessing days, I'd be in this beat-up Volkswagen convertible orange with the most rocking thousand watt sound system you could buy with the, the sound system was more expensive than the car come on I had my priorities right I was into worship I'd go, Jesus 
I'd pull up to, I'd pull up to, uh, I'd pull up to stoplights and just be pounding, you know, in the, in the, in the license plate in the back. <laughs> you know, that vibrating from the huge kicker I had that was taken over the back seat. And, I, and people would be staring at me. I'd turn it down, and there'd be somebody sitting there, you know, next to me at the light. And I'd go, excuse me, excuse me. And I'm going to time it. You know, the crosswalks are blinking, and, and I see it turns yellow. No, excuse me, excuse me. And I got it first gear, clutch in. Excuse me. And they roll down the road. Jesus loves you. Jesus. I'm serious. That's how I witnessed I used to do it. I did it with a friend of mine who knew the Lord a little bit more than I did. And I said, man, watch this. I'm on a witness. So I pulled up. It was, Excuse me. Timing of the light. And they, Jesus loves you. The guy's all, dude, what are you doing, man? You're scaring people from Christ. You're not winning to Jesus. That car I used to play, the Hill Songs, it was like 1996, I think. I used to play this hill song, uh, God is in the house. Anybody remember that CD? I used to play that God is in the house so loud with so much bass, just cranked up with the top down. And I'd pull into a place called Kihei. And my wife worked at the Kihei Cafe. Uh, but she wasn't my wife. I was courting her. And I would just pull in just, ah. I would come out of my car like Moses. Hi, honey. And she'd be like, oh, my God, you're so fine. You know, and it'd be like, yeah, what's that? And we just like hold each other's hands and be like, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm going to tie that into the message, but anyway, you can just res- enjoy it sort of as an isolated part of my testimony. Paul, look at, let's get to our notes. Look at, look at C1. Woo! Hallelujah. All right. Paul. Paul was motivated. He was what? He was motivated by his awareness of God's judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.11 it says, Knowing the terror of the Lord. The what? The terror. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's 2 Corinthians 5.11. I don't think we have it on the screen. But knowing the terror of the Lord. The terror? What motivated Paul? The fact that there was a thing called hell. Paul got stoned. Rocks. Well, we have to clarify in this day and age, he got hit by a bunch of rocks, okay? What's wrong with you guys? What's going on around here? Somebody said, Pastor, I was reading the book of Genesis. Says that every green thing God's made for God's people. So I figure I can smoke some dope. It's green. I said, well, I'll tell you what. If you made every green thing and you feel like it's the will of the Lord for you to smoke green things, why don't you smoke poison sumac? Try that out. Don't smoke poison sumac. Amen. Don't smoke dope. It's called pharmakia. We'll open, we'll open the door for the enemy to come in and demonize you. Another message. Paul was motivated by his awareness of God's judgment. Let me read another scripture to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. For the love of Christ compels us. That's really number two. Paul's motivated not only by the terror, but motivated by the love of God. And that is a message that you'll hear mostly. We mostly hear the love of God message, and we so we should. There's so many broken homes and fathers that weren't good fathers and mothers that weren't good mothers. And very, you know, very often in this culture, we have come from a broken household that doesn't know really what real love is. 
Real love is that one man laid down his life for another. Real love is Jesus died on a cross for you. You're the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the young lady that might be here, your boyfriend who says he loves you, got his hands all over you. He don't love you. He lusts you. Lust. Two totally different things. You know, he loves you when he doesn't touch you and he'll wait. And all the parents said, that's not good enough. And all the parents said, amen. So the love of God is a message that's preached, the love of the Father, and it should be. But I want to have a well-rounded rounded diet in this house. There is a place called hell, and there is judgment for the believer and the unbeliever both. The great white throne. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this in for a landing. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and all died for all, and he died for all, pardon me, that those who live should live no longer for themselves. No longer for what? But for him who died. Ooh. Listen to this now. When Israel, I'm off the notes, and I'm almost done. When Israel went apostate, do you know what apostate means? They fall away. They fell away from serving Jehovah God. They fell away from serving Him. When they went apostate, what are some of the, some of the false gods that they went to? Anybody? Baal? Okay, what's another one? Well, they never really worshipped Dagon too much, but, but Ashtara, right, is another one. Does anybody know what the purpose of, of worshipping Ashtara would be? Anybody? I'll tell you. It's the God of fertility. So they worship the God of fertility. Why would you worship a God of fertility? You're infertile and you want kids, right? Is it simple? Okay. There is gods for harvest that they would worship. They should worship. They should. They would worship gods for strength and for victory over their enemies. False gods. Now, here's the thing. All of those things are in God. Healing, fertility, sure, absolutely, lots of miracles for that. Breakthrough, finances, victory over your enemy. They weren't worshiping false gods. Did you turn the lights down or is that just me? Okay, it's me? Okay. They, they worshiped these false gods so that they could have a better life. So they could have a what? You see, they were deceived in thinking, not knowing that God would actually give that to them. They worshipped these false gods. Why? So they could have a better life. Now let me tell you what has happened in America. What has happened in America is people come to worship God and worship Jesus so they can have a better life life. Now this next thing I will say is going to hurt. It is not about you. And it is not about me. Although the byproduct of living for Him is life and life abundant. It is not about you and how you worship or how somebody else worships. I've known people that leave churches because they get offended. Can I tell you that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard? Well, they just don't understand me. 
Now you'll find that everybody doesn't understand you and you need healing. You'd run off to another place to only discover that the same thing will happen but a few years later and you've wasted all this time jumping from church to church to church to church. And I know there are places where they're unhealthy and I understand that. I will to God that we would never be like that and I don't believe we are. Worshiping and living for Jesus is not about you. It's not about your money. It's not about your marriage. It's not about you being comfortable. It's not about you being blessed. It's not about you being healed. Although all of those things happen and they are promises to you if you live for Him. Turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 2. See, it says in in 2 Corinthians, which we read, that you would no longer live for themselves. The Western church lives for for themselves. They don't live for Jesus to give Him glory. They live to see, you know, they get offended at God if He didn't come through for them on whatever they prayed for. Not understanding that God wants to bless you and help you. But it's not about you. It's about Him. 1 Peter, pardon me, chapter 2. 1 Peter 2. Therefore, you who believe, he is precious, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Watch this, verse 9, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The purpose of you being saved, yes, you don't get to go to hell. Hallelujah. But it's more than that. The purpose of, if it was just to be saved, we'd all drop dead the second we sincerely gave our hearts to the Lord. The lights would go out and you go to heaven. But you're here. You have a pulse. You have a purpose. And it's not just so that you can be blessed. The purpose of your salvation is to bring glory to God. Yes, to spare you from hell. Absolutely. But you remain here to make Him precious. It's about God. Did you see that? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness. Why has He called you to be a holy priesthood? Why has He saved you? Why are we a holy nation? So that, why, the purpose of that is for you to proclaim His excellencies. Not so that you can feel good. Alright, I'm going to go encourage myself back here with Micah. Praise the Lord. That's a good word, Pastor. That was a good word. You hear that? It's not about you and me. It's about Him. Come on, somebody say it's about Him. I'm done. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Just talk to Jesus. First call is this. If you don't know for sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, don't you leave this building not knowing, not believing. If you've been playing church, stop the games right now and give your heart wholly, fully, fully devoted to God. Do it. So how do I, how do, I do that, Pastor? If you're here and you don't know for sure whether your sins are forgiven, if you've really repented, in a moment I want to ask you to lift your hand. You say, Pastor, I, I, want, to, I want to pray that prayer with you. If you don't know for sure if your sins are forgiven, on the count of three, you've never repented and you realize, oh my goodness... Hell could be the very resting place that I go to. If you died, God forbid, God forbid that you would die today. Do you know for sure that heaven would be your home? And if you can't say yes, you need to give your heart to Jesus in a moment. When I count to three, you slip your hand up. 
If you're here and you've given your heart to the Lord, but you're feeling, man, I think maybe I'm started to turn away. In other words, you're not on fire. Maybe there's been a cooling of your heart and there could be a slow turning. And you're saying, I don't want my name blotted out. I'm, I'm getting right today. I'm, I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm talking about getting right with God. I'm talking about getting right with Him, not playing anymore. Doing it right. Doing it God's way. If that's you, in a moment, slip your hand up. Thirdly, if you're just not sure and you're kind of confused, then I want you to slip your hand up too. You fit in any of those three categories. Number one, you're going to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You don't want the lake of fire. You don't want to head to hell. You want to walk with Jesus. You want to be forgiven. You want a life that makes Him precious. You want to walk in His fullness and His blessing. If that's you, on the count of three, slip your hand up. But secondly, if you're, if you're backslidden or you've not been living for God and you sell out today, on the count of three, slip your hand up also. And number three, if you're not sure... Slip your hand up at the count of three. One, two, do it right now. Three, do it. Raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. If you're serious about it, run to the front right now. Come. Come quickly. Serious about getting right with God. Come right front, right here. Come right to the front. Come on, put your hands together for these. Come on, come right here. Right up front. Come on, somebody. There's more. There's more people that need to get right. Come right now. Come right now. Don't play church. Come on. We're talking about getting right with God. We're not talking about joining a church. We're talking about having our sins forgiven. Come on right now. Anybody else? Come. It's not too late. Woo! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are like hitting We need to go. Yeah. Come on. When it's over, there ain't nobody going to be near you. I have this theory. If you can't come up and confess Christ in front of a bunch of people that love God, you'll never do it out there. Ever. Ever. Turn to the person to the right or the left of you right now. Ask them, are you going to heaven? you got Jesus in your heart. Don't worry. If they do, they'll be excited. And if they say, well, ah, I'm not sure, then say, I'll go down with you. Come on. Come on. I'll go with you. And bring them down. Anybody, come on. All right. Those of you online, you're not excluded. Come on. We need to have altar calls like this, not sissified ones, right? All right. Just come before the Lord. Just close your eyes and pray this right after me with all your heart. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and come into my life. Wash me. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Help me to live for you all of my days, never turning away. Give me a hunger for the Word of God. Free me from every chain and every bondage that would hold me back, that I might make you precious to others that I might fulfill my God-given purpose in the earth so that when it's all done, I would hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Just lift your hands as a sign of surrender to God. Holy Spirit, come right now. Fill and touch in the name of Jesus.
Come on, let the Lord fill you right now. Fill. Fill these with your Holy Spirit. Power to live for you. Right now, fill them, Lord. Fill them, Jesus. Break every chain in the name of the Lord. Jesus, living for you, not for us, for you. Not for somebody else, for you. Touch them. Bring healing, strength. Brand new day. It's a brand new day. Come on, somebody say it's a brand new day. Amen. Now one more thing and we'll close. If there is a real hell, which I think we've shown from Scripture, really the question is, do you believe the Word of God is the Word of God? Do you believe it's true? I do. I've bet my life on it. It's worked really well for me. God has blessed me beyond anything I could imagine. If there's a hell, and there is, then I think, I believe, considering the terror of the Lord, that we ought to get to share in our faith pretty good. How many of you say, Pastor, I'm going a, to I'm a, I'm a at least pull up on a light and scream, Jesus loves you, and peel out? Well, how many of you do something? Come on, get on Facebook, get on Twitter, use your face plant, my face, whatever it is. You use that stuff, use the social media. Get out there and tell people. You're the only Jesus you'll see. Some people will ever see you. are the only Jesus they ever will. He said, well, my neighbor, they don't really like me. Give him a loaf of bread and tell him Jesus loves him. Give him the gospel. Tell him. So what are they going to do? Not like you? Statistically, and I close with this, statistically it's been proven that there's only two or three people that like you anyway. So you might as well just go ahead and go for it. Hey, hallelujah. Come on, somebody say praise God. All right, wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on, lift your voice. God bless you guys. Go for it. Come on, lift your voice and start thanking Him right out loud. Your light will shine in the darkness. Light will shine in the... Come on, put your hands together. Worship team, would you come? Whole worship team. The whole worship team, come on. Your light will shine. Your light will shine in the darkness. I want to worship God like this is the last moment we have on earth, all right? That's how we're going to worship God, all right? Everything that you got. Don't worry about the people on the right. I release you from their opinion. I release you. If you got flags or whatever, go ahead and bust them out. That's good. I'm fine with that, all right? Worship God with everything you got, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and all your strength. Come on, put them up like this. Everything you have. One, two, one, two. Come on, your light will shine in the dark. Your light will shine in the dark, in the dark. Oh, oh, we've been delivered from hell. Hallelujah. Your light will shine in the dark. Your light will shine in the dark, in the dark. Oh, come on, come on. Yeah. 
somebody by the hand. Man, I love this place. Hallelujah. Don't miss tonight. I'll be preaching 6 o'clock special message for tonight. Be a part of all the things that are happening. Get plugged in. Live for Him. Amen? Father, bless Your people. Cause Your face to shine upon them. Lift up Your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. And give them peace. In Jesus' name. And all of God's precious people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. I hope to see you tonight or Tuesday night. Bless you. Praise the Lord.